0: I am the knight. I am Bat-Lazewitz. And welcome to this week's episode of Bat Chat with Matt and Will, a Batman uh, ranking podcast. Uh, 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 uh. Where each week, my co-host, Last Will and Testament Nevin, and I dig into three Batman stories, discuss them, and rank them on our big board. Thus, creating a giant list of Batman stories from best to worst. And now I will stop doing this voice because it will get really annoying really fast.
1: Uh, that was uh, that was trending Zoidberg really quickly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it really was. I, I needed. To... <laughs> Why not suck your blood? <laughs> How's it going tonight, Will?
1: Oh, it's going pretty good. Pretty good. Getting into the spooky spirit uh let's talk phobias matt did you have any weird ones either uh, growing up or now because i got i had some weird ones as a kid escalators just terrified me if it was a two-story mall i would go like out of my way to not use the escalator i also and this this blows my mind now as an adult because when i grew up our house was six miles outside of the small town where i lived right it was six miles in the middle of nowhere, and I was petrified that somebody was going to break in. I don't know why, but I remember s- several nights just laying awake as a kid in bed thinking somebody was going to break into the house. I was, I was a scared, scared little kid. But escalators, very much a fear growing up.
0: I don't know if I had unusual phobias. I was an anxious OCD kid, so that's a whole different sort of thing. But I, my phobia is rats to this day, it's still rats. Because when I was, you know, somewhere nine, ten years old, big enough to be able to be the one who had to pull the trash cans out to the curb, you know, on trash night. Well, one night I'm pulling them out and something runs over my foot and it was furry. And we had a lot of rabbits in the area. I was like, oh, it must have been a rabbit. And then I look down and I see it running away and that tail. That, sir, was not a rabbit's tail. And so that was it for me and rats. Rat over the barefoot in the dark? Yeah, never again.
1: And, of course, in the multiverses of Matt, there's one Matt that night was a sexual awakening. So
0: I don't want to think about that, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) That Matt is a freak. And
1: (laughs) that Matt scares me. Fears and fetishes, very closely related.
0: Oh, yeah. What's the horror and humor, as, as you will read when you read the opening of the new Rosenberg Joker that came out today?
1: Ooh, looking forward to that. Yeah.
0: I, I just started that when I've read our other two books, and I started realized was not going to have time to finish it before recording. So put it down because I wanted to, you know. Reread those first couple of pages, and then read it all in one sitting.
1: Right. I would be very nervous trying to follow up uh, Tinian's run, but somebody had to do it.
0: Yep, and Rosenberg has
1: been doing some
0: good work over on Task Force Z, and he did some good work in the backups, not the backups, the those alternate issues, the Francovia penciled flashbacks, working with Tinian. So uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. But we're not here to talk about that. I guess at this point, when you're listening to this, go back into the archives at XF if you haven't read that column yet, because we're still recording a couple weeks out and find out what we thought of that book. Tonight- this is
1: actually Christmas of 93. Time is a flat circle of mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we record these things 19 years in advance. And still, I'm often editing until the day before it has to drop. So <laughs> figure out that one, ladies and gents and folks. Ah, oh, fuck. I did that math wrong. Shit. We'll fix it in post. Yeah. <laughs> that's what post is for. See, that's why I'm fixing these things <laughs> up until the
0: night before. But this episode is going to be dropping Halloween week. So for tonight, we're reading the three Batman Legends of the Dark Knight Halloween specials that make up the collection Haunted Night. The first of these specials is Choices, the Batman Legends of the Dark Knight Halloween special number one. The writer is Jeff Loeb with pencils and inks by Tim Sale, colors by Gregory Wright, letters by Todd Klein, and edited by Archie Goodwin and Bill Kaplan. The cover date is December of 1993. While the Scarecrow stalks Gotham, Bruce Wayne becomes entranced by a mysterious new woman who has begun to make him question his mission. Uh, So we will start off as we do with every one of these stories, as we have covered many a Jeff Loeb story. Jeff Loeb remains in the problematic creator well as someone who has made various tasteless anti-Asian statements and has been generally known to be a jerk and has not done anything to make up for it at this point as far as we know
1: but on the other side of the ledger no one has ever said a bad thing about archie goodwin
0: that is remarkably and ridiculously true he is
1: was the nicest man in comics (sighs) And if you're going to read these stories, do yourself a favor and buy the collection. Not the most recent collection that is new as of this week, and I believe it is overpriced, but buy the last collection uh, because it comes with an introduction from Archie Goodwin. It was written in 96, and he talks about being excited about Long Halloween, and that's just kind of a nice little snapshot in time, and uh, it's it, lovely introduction from a lovely man.
0: That introduction is included in the absolute edition that is these three specials and
1: when in Rome in one big, gorgeous, oversized
0: hardcover.
1: Ooh, very nice. I'm curious now. I'll let you talk while I see what the newest, bestest special edition includes. This is the first of these
0: Legends of the Dark Knight Halloween specials. There are three of them, and so it fits nicely into an episode. And it went from here right into Long Halloween and then Dark Victory. So this was the beginning of the Loeb Sale Batman collaboration. Loeb and Sale had already collaborated on the challenges of the unknown at this point. But this is where they went from, oh, they did this niche little weird DC miniseries featuring these characters that very few people remembered to, oh, these guys are something
1: with choices. Okay, so I've got the new collection pulled up. It is Batman The Long Halloween Haunted Night Deluxe Edition. It comes with Legends of the Dark Knight Halloween Special Number One, Madness, Ghosts, so I guess, what is it, just just, just the three, three specials?
0: Yeah, I think the absolute is just included when in Rome to fill it out because you need, an absolute needs to be
1: a, a chunky boy. This seems a lot for $40, but I, I assume it's hardcover. Don't buy this digitally for 40 bucks. It's worth buying,
0: as we'll get to, but it's not $40 digitally worth buying. This is really cool to watch, especially if you read, if you sat down, you read these three together and then jump right into Long Halloween to watch both the relationship of writer to artist with Loeb and Sale and specifically to watch Sale's style slowly evolve over the course of these issues where it starts out, I mean, it's so recognizably Tim Sale, but it's not quite as polished or as weird as some of Sale stuff can get when you get towards Long Halloween. But it's just, it's cool to see that evolution with, you know, one gear apart on each of them. But it's still fucking good. Oh, it's still great. There are a couple of pages slash panels from choices that still stuck in my head 27 years later there was ones that when i was reading it's like oh we're getting to that page which you know say what you want I i don't think anybody has anything particularly bad to say about tim sale but you know wow he can draw a great batman
1: I always love artists who just obsess over detail. You know, we've read so many stories where the art is boring, it's uninteresting. The bottom third of the list is just polluted with art trash. This though is just so lovingly crafted. the uh, The costume party, cool. you know, so many people would just be like, "All right, fuck it, you know, we'll do uh, we'll do masquerade ball." Just tuxes and, uh, you know, the robinets, just easy peasy. This man goes through and puts, I don't know, 75, 100 individual different gimmicks in there. And it's a beautiful two page spread. And he even includes fucking Waldo. That's a (laughs) hilarious gag. Oh, hilarious!
0: Waldo's great. He's got a lot of the indie comics darlings of this point. You got Madman. You got Phony Bone. You've got Milk and Cheese. Hobbs. Hobbs Hobbs of Calvin and Hobbs in the upper left corner. I'm sure there's some that are there that I just didn't recognize off the top of my head. But you've got oh um I think that's one of the characters from Love and Rockets. You've got a Hawkeye knockoff. You've got some Oz characters, some fairy tale. Characters. Oh, Cerebus the Aardvark. Yeah, I mean, this is great. And Jim Gordon's musketeer costume. Again, you know, you could have gone lazy on it, but nope. One of the challenges, oh, the challenges of the unknown are there. But yeah, th- that is a great page. But there's a page, again, one of those things that always, that was in my head. When Batman is running through this hedge maze that the scarecrow has booby trapped and there's a splash of Batman just clutching at the wall of the hedge maze with individual word balloons along the top for each word of see how they run. And it's, again, one of those images that stuck with me after all the years having read this story.
1: And a couple of pages after the costume party, Batman falling down the building, such a great sense of perspective and motion and just beautiful layouts.
0: Oh, the beginning of chapter two that starts with Batman in shadow on a parapet. And then it's a splash page. And then you turn the page and it's the same page, but now there's a crack of lightning and now it's lit by lightning. It's a double page spread with a vista of the city behind him. And what a smart use of a page turn. And I'm not sure if that's how Loeb scripted it or if that was, you know, Loeb does this Marvel style and just let Sale sort of know what he was going for. And with but one way or the other. I'd get like,
1: the fuck out of his way.
0: Yeah, Exactly. The whole sequence after that with the crows attacking Batman. And I have rarely seen a more terrifyingly broken Batman than when Alfred opens the Batmobile after Batman makes his way out of the hedge maze. And it's not, you know, broken like, you know, Bane, like he's a ragdoll. It's just he seems spent. You know, we're, we'll talk about these stories, but Tonight, I think, is often the case when you got Tim Sale. This is becomes the Tim Sale appreciation hour.
1: Absolutely.
0: He's, he kills on all three of these stories tonight.
1: I'll go ahead and be a little bit of a downer here at the beginning. Much like Long Halloween, we kind of get diminishing returns uh, with these stories.
0: I will agree the third is the weakest We'll, we'll talk about the first and the second because I like some of the stuff that goes on in the second. I mean, I thought I disliked the third. I, it's a case of, you know, I'll take, you know, less interesting story with Tim sale art over interesting story with somebody else's art most days of the week.
1: Yeah, uh, and again, they're, they're not bad by any stretch. Like, we got a lot of the bad shit out of the way last week. <laughs> yes. um, but I think by the third story, you get the sense that they had done all they could do, right? If they were going to do more, it was going to have to be something like Long Halloween. It was going to have to be a story in some kind of continuity with ground rules and a world that they could work in and build instead of these, you know, these one-offs.
0: Yeah. Especially these are not chronological in order, that it's clear the third one probably is chronologically the first because of something that happens at the end of that is referenced in the first story. Which I guess that at the end of the third, we see Bruce setting up the Wayne Foundation with Lucius Fox, but there's a Wayne Foundation gala, that costume party, in the first so it technically has to take place before this one but none of that particularly matters it's just makes my brain go wait a minute but we haven't even really talked about the plot and that's we kind of need to go there Um, (laughs) because we've got both you know the scarecrow running rampant in one of his early not his first but one of his earlier escapades while at this party that we've referenced, a mysterious woman named Jillian Maxwell just sort of shows up and Bruce is immediately beyond smitten with her. Like throw out the crusade smitten.
1: I'm, I'm gonna settle down. I think there's a lot to say about both of these characters and I'm gonna start with Scarecrow. I don't like the idea of Scarecrow being being motivated by just sheer petty theft. He seems like a character that should be beyond that. I also don't like him. And not that we got that, got that here. I don't like him being motivated by the goofy revenge that we've seen. I really want Scarecrow to be this demented academic. That's what I really like. The high school stuff is dumb. The aggrieved academic thing, again, that he gets me. He understands me. But this stuff where he's with a gang and they're knocking out the power so just to just steal stuff. I would get Scarecrow knocking out power just to see what happens, just to watch Gotham burn, to see people terrified. But just petty theft? That's not a very interesting character.
0: You could have... Easily laid in a motivation that he's stealing, he needs the money for some grand experiment that he's he needs of course chemicals, he needs something. This is still a period where Scarecrow is the bibliophile. He's stealing it because there's some kind of treatise on fear. It's you know, something that you know was found from ancient times, and it's clear that he's he wants the money to buy the book instead of just stealing it for some reason or another. But there's any number of reasons Scarecrow could be stealing, other than, yeah, I could use the cash.
1: That's very boring. I don't like that.
0: I will say, as I've said in the the Hush episode, I have never understood why Loeb decided that Scarecrow is constantly spouting nursery rhymes.
1: Yeah, that doesn't work either.
0: That's never been Scarecrow's thing anywhere else. It's just here. And at least here, he's, you know, a Kate peppering them amongst actual dialogue, as opposed to in Hush, where it was pretty much just the nursery rhymes. And in uh, Dark Victory, when he and the Hatter are bouncing off each other, or Long Halloween. And it's, you know, Scarecrow doing the nursery rhymes, Hatter doing the... uh, Lewis Carroll and them just quoting back and forth at each other. That's not Scarecrow's thing. He's not a nursery rhyme guy. He's not Oz guy. He's academic guy. If if he were quoting Socrates, I could maybe go for that.
1: And he definitely can't get too into The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. He cannot be obsessed with that book as we saw. Yeah, as we saw last time.
0: Although one thing that has occurred to me as I was reading this that I don't think I've ever seen anybody do, and there's story potential in this, how familiar are you with the works of Alfred Hitchcock?
1: I need to be more familiar. I have seen Psycho. I've got a collection uh, in Rear Window. I've got a collection that I need to watch. I think it has the birds. Well, fortunately, you've seen Psycho. Do you remember the name of Janet Lee's
0: character in Psycho?
1: Fuck me. No. Marion Crane. Interesting.
0: There's gotta be a a scarecrow psycho type thing with him building a a hotel of horrors that somebody could do at some point with a character. You put in a victim named Marion in there just as a reference. But it seems like a very scarecrow type thing you know each room is a different experiment and terror kind of deal
1: yeah with uh with tinian getting a family of cannibals from hooper county texas yes oh god bless you we've got a lot to talk about with your uh your batman and your Ghostmaker, but that that earned you a lot of grace from me
0: Okay, so th- th- that's the, the stuff with Scarecrow. I love him using the crows in the same way that Batman uses the bats and using the, his chemicals on them to just attack Batman. It's like, yeah, that's that's Scarecrow further experimenting, you know, experimenting on animals with fear toxin. I'm surprised nobody else has done that at some point or another. That's a great thing for Scarecrow to do.
1: An interesting idea throughout this story, at least in my mind, I was never quite sure, is Batman being affected by fear toxin? Like constantly, right? Are the crows real? Are the crows attacking Batman real? Like, is any of this real? So I thought that was that was an interesting idea flowing throughout this. I don't think I had any other scarecrow notes. The shooting kind of darts out of his hands was fun. Yes, I've
0: always liked the thing that, Loeb has done with scarecrow that there are random bits of his costume random straws not all of them but just some of them that he knows have fear toxin in them so you'd have to like go through his entire costume or strip him out of it to figure out which bits of it are poisonous and which are just straw and i liked him kidnapping jim gordon that's another great splash page of him again with the the backlighting and him just looming over gordon so many great visuals, and now so onto our other plot line, the Jillian Maxwell plot. So this is a, and again, I guess I'll give away the the ending because again, thirty year old ish, thirty ish year old comic, and we're going to talk about it anyway. But this is Bruce Wayne running afoul of a Black Widow. This is someone who has had various husbands, and who they've all died under mysterious circumstances, and she has now shown up and is trying to seduce bruce wayne at least
1: four previous identities
0: and one would assume that bruce would not have been as easily taken in by this if it weren't for scarecrow having dosed him with fear toxin he had at the end himself admits that part of this was his own fears, his fears of being alone and everything sort of coming back at him and causing him to not look into who this person was. Because she is sketchy as hell.
1: But she's also very good at what she does.
0: Oh, yes. She absolutely can play a rich playboy like Bruce Wayne pretends to be like a fiddle. She is clearly good at understanding people, at reading people, and she is stunningly beautiful. Sale draws her in a way that you just look at her and you can't look away. And not, I mean, I'm not even talking in like a lascivious manner, but in it just, he puts so much detail into her hair and her earrings and all of it. It, it's hypnotic and i want to sh- we got to do a specific shout out to gregory wright who colored this book because boy howdy the flashbacks of bruce and jillian's date the black and whites that are used there the red that he chooses for her hair the rose the rose the rose the candlelight of alfred walking through wayne manor and the way the candlelight strikes alfred it's an incredible coloring job and the last page that little epilogue that it's not quite batman going back to a small southern town every year to torment a guy that he couldn't lock up but it's still a great you know oh she gets away oh
1: uh, oh, no, she
0: don't. Nope. She's going to be getting these notes, these little notes with the bat symbol and
1: confess.
0: Everywhere confess. she goes until she turns herself in. She knows she has no choice is a great final line to this story.
1: Like what? You think you're going to outrun Batman? No, you're not going to outrun Batman. Um, uh, Yeah, I, I did like the epilogue. That was really nicely done. Uh, without being overdone yes if that makes any sense
0: absolutely if Bruce hadn't been exposed to fear toxin at the beginning of this story and multiple times throughout I think I'd be a little more bothered by how quickly he falls for her because this story takes place over what three days maybe four and by the end of the penultimate day he's planning to chuck everything go on a worldwide cruise tour with someone he's known for a couple days that's
1: very out of character I tend to think of a lot of what happens in the third story as being more out of character but I can buy a lot of what happens here simply because I think Batman is often looking for an off-ramp you know he's often looking for somebody to take up the cause some just reason that I can put this down some opportunity for me to be happy. And he rarely takes that off ramp, but it is always very tempting.
0: I can see that. I wonder how many of our listeners, I don't know. I don't know demographics, but how many of you are young enough to have no idea what the floppy disc that Alfred handed Batman, the files, that he discovered about Jillian on how many of you have no idea what that is.
1: ha! 1.44 megabytes.
0: Oh, at one point at work, I was walking someone through something, a, a young intern. I was like, and just, you know, click the floppy disk icon. The what? The, the floppy disk, the save. Oh, the save. Like, yes, the floppy disk. and i turned to dust a little at that point ah yes you did also just i guess final notes on this story i love the final fight taking place in the clock tower and the set piece of that i also think it's fun when you think about it that that is eventually right here it's jim gordon being threatened on that clock tower and in under a decade's time that's going to be his daughter's headquarters because the clock tower is oracle's base of operation
1: huh i didn't think about that that is pretty interesting
0: i don't think it was intentional because oracle was not a huge part of the bat Canon in 1993 but still it's like oh that's fun so like this was gotham central park instead of robinson park which is the name of gotham's central park this is also the story that is least of these three specifically hung up on one of the Waynes. This one, there's references to his parents and Bruce thinking about his parents. But the second story is very much about Bruce and Martha. And the third is very much about Bruce and Thomas.
1: Yes, we got we got the pearls and everything coming up.
0: Yeah, we do.
1: Oh yeah, those pearls but uh I, I had a fun thought that uh about the pearls that we'll get to
0: okay well i'm pretty much good on this one
1: all right i'm good too so that means it's time to put legends of the dark night halloween special fears choices spooky oh shit wait my thing calls it fears
0: that's interesting Huh, chapter one, Fears. The trade Oh, wow. The Absolute calls it Fears as well. But if you go back and you look at the original floppy, it's called Choices, which makes sense when there's all that talk of choice throughout the book. Usually I would cut this kind of thing, but... Yeah, yeah, let's leave it. But this is an interesting... This is one of those interesting little changes because if you look up "Legends of the dark Knight" halloween special number one you go to the dc wiki it is called choices and it's it's on the inside front cover of that original edition because i believe me have the original on this one and that's why that that motif of the you know you know she has no choice at all and bruce thinking about his choice yeah During the story choices, Batman is is hunting down and trying to capture Scarecrow with Scarecrow finally being caught at the end. As the alternate title Fears suggests, fear plays a large role in the story with Batman nearly dying of fear while trapped in a large poisonous thorn maze. So both titles are correct. It's just that I was working off the original floppy and you're working off the collection. Not floppy. It was a big old chonky prestige, but still.
1: They went off and new hoped
0: us, Matt. Yeah, exactly.
1: Those bastards.
0: Yeah. Uh, So, uh, well, yes. So there's that. Uh, (laughs) Well, now you've heard that little discourse. Uh, We currently are at 171 stories on the big board. God damn. Yep. Number one is Batman year one. Down at number 30 is Tower of Babel, where Rachel Gould steals Batman's parents' bodies.
1: Ew, spooky. Yep.
0: Down at number 60 is Nightfall Part 2, Who Rules the Night, where Azrael and Bane fight.
1: And coming in at a spooky 69 is Detective Comics number 571, Fear for Sale.
0: Down at number 90 is Robin Year One, the Robin Annual. Note that none of these have changed from last week.
1: i picked some winners folks
0: number 120 is shadow box the uh dixon and lyle tim drake returns to gotham story down at 150 this one actually is the first one that has changed is uh the arrow and the bat where batman and green arrow get involved in some really weird uncomfortable racist asian stereotypes uh and down at the bottom Remaining the same is Batman White Knight undefeated and dude. Okay, so let's start with when in Rome. When in Rome
1: is up at 93. Is this better than when in Rome? I was looking at long Halloween special at 63. Ah, that is a good one. And I I believe this is better than
0: long Halloween special.
1: Yes. When in Rome is not bad. It's just not something you gotta read.
0: Right. As frankly is the long Halloween special, especially because
1: tragically what is left there is probably never going to be paid off. I uh, I would, and not, not that anybody's considering continuing with this, but it does need to let it rest.
0: So what about solo number one up at 40? That's more Tim Sale.
1: That's tough because that was such uh, just um, a fascinating little book. I don't think he had a real strong story to work with here, right? It's an interesting story. I like a lot of the beats, but Scarecrow, you know, you 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 talked about, he just does with the dumb nursery rhyme stuff. It's not a real complex version of the character. It's not a particularly interesting version of the character. I don't think the Maxwell stuff is ex- as explored in depth as it, as it should be. It's both the longest story we have tonight, and it's still somehow not long enough.
0: Yeah, I would have wanted more... again, it just it bugged me that Batman turns so quickly. And again, there's the fear toxin to take into account, but it's just like, I would have liked more of a reason for him to be fascinated by Jillian Maxwell. You said it in our Patreon bonus episode this past month about Andrea Beaumont and Mask of the Phantasm. A Batman love interest needs to appeal to all of the things that make him Batman. And Jillian Maxwell doesn't hit all those beats. So what so all right, so we're saying probably below solo at 40. What about Hush at 52? Another Jeff Loeb. Hmm. You know, this is getting harder every week.
1: This is getting harder every week. The old standby, I think I'd I'd reread Hush before I reread this. Because Hush. Feels more integral to Batman. I mean, this this is an interesting artifact in how it played a part in Long Halloween. This is their dry, you know, test run as a partnership in Batman. You can see how their storytelling evolves. I, I think it's important, but in terms of Batman and the story, there's again more with Hush there.
0: Okay, here's a, here's a point. Here is my, my floor on this. Okay. I do not think it can go below 66, Batman the Spirit. That's Jeff Loeb, one shot from a very talented artist. But even though there isn't a lot here, there's more here than there is in Batman the Spirit.
1: Indeed.
0: So that means we're somewhere in between 52 and 66. Actually, I think I just mentioned it when we were talking about it. The end of Blood Secrets, where Batman goes back to the the town every year to torment that guy, is still, as great as this ending is, is still a stronger denouement to that story. So we're between 56 and 66. We're, we're, We're getting there. And actually, there's 63. We said this is better than 63, better than Nightmares, the Long Halloween special. So between 56 and 63, we're, we're narrowing it down.
1: Uh, let's see. Made of Wood at 58. A fun story? I'm not
0: sure how integral. I do like the Thomas Wayne Green Lantern thing in there. And I like retired Jim Gordon as an investigator. So while not as integral, I think it's a better
1: story. I agree. It's a more interesting story. Yes. So right below that is It Takes
0: Two Wings, where Batman and Green Arrow snipe at each other for an issue, uh, which is a ton of fun. And then is the second half of Nightfall at 60. So here we have a Batman who is contemplating getting out. Nightfall Part 2 is a Batman who has been forced out
1: because of Bane. He got broke, man. And then at 61, we got Where Were You the Night Batman Was Killed.
0: Again, it is the the, possibly the highest trifle on this list, but it's such a damn fun story. It is a fun
1: story. Mm.
0: See, so much of this, we we have to place the first one because the other two are both going to be placed in relation to it.
1: And I would, not to spoil, I would say below. Three, definitely two, Maybe not above, but very near. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I, we we can certainly separate these one and two and then three. Um, not bad, but... No, mm, it's three.
0: probably falling right near the middle to... Even the, the lowest is going to be right towards the middle of the list.
1: Yeah, it, we'll certainly get to it, but three is mighty hokey. All right, we got to make a fucking decision here. Uh, I'm going to say the new... 61 Under Nightfall Above Where Were You The Night Batman Was Killed
0: I can go with that
1: All right
0: Our second story of the night is Madness This is Legends of the Dark Knight Halloween Special number 2 The writer is Jeff Loeb the pencils and inks are by Tim Sale the colors are Gregory Wright and the letters are Todd Klein Editors were not credited but it is still I believe Archie Goodwin, and Bill Kaplan, or at least Archie Goodwin. The cover date is November of 1994. The Mad Hatter is on the loose, and Batman is hunting him, while Barbara Gordon, recently having arrived in Gotham, has run away from Jim and into the clutches of the Hatter. This is, of the three, probably the most A to B to C of these specials. Other than one sort of hallucinatory diversion, there's less weirdness in this one. And that is partially because it is narrated in three voices. Some of this is narrated by Batman, some of this is narrated by Barbara, and some of this is narrated by Jim. And Sale kills it in this one. I love his take on the Mad Hatter. His Mad Hatter is... Utterly creepy. Without being deformed. Again, there have been versions of the Hatter that he is drawn in a way that makes him weirdly out of proportion. But there's a great splash page here of the Hatter bowing with his hat off that is sort of the picture of the Mad Hatter to me.
1: The art is as strong as... As it is in any of these stories, I particularly love the fight scene on the subway. Yeah, like these these two pages. If you could frame them like side by side, they makes they'd make such a nice visual. Like they're they're both just mirrored kind of splash pages, and uh, man, they would look so great together.
0: There is art in here that is very intense Intentionally inspired by other art. I mean, there is a a Pieta of Batman in the arms of a sort of hallucinatory Martha Wayne. There's a two-page spread of the Mad Hatter's Mad Tea Party with Barbara as his Alice. That is very much directly inspired by John Tenniel. Yes, by John Tenniel's original Alice illustrations. So he's really drawing on inspirations in the art for this book. One of the things that I like about this one and is one of the things that makes me think more highly of it is I really like Barbara's voice. I like this sort of sad teenager lashing out because she's in a position that is untenable for her and it's natural and it's organic and it's so easy to write barbara even at her youngest as this sort of little mini oracle and so i like that she's a kid here still a smart kid still a kid who's you know willing to stand up to the mad hatter but she's a 13 year old
1: since we're talking about barbara i want to briefly detour back to madness slash choices and talk about a scene that I thought was great between Batman and Jim yes. and just shows where their relationship is and how it's evolving toward what we see as kind of a friendship in Long Halloween. Gordon is just kind of sitting there thinking about, okay, I got this invite to this costume party. Uh, hey, Batman, you want to you wanna c- come to you could you could just come be addressed like Batman and he just disappears and Gordon's like I'm never doing that again (laughs) I I went out of a limb I was vulnerable I was rejected nope nope not doing that again and
0: I love he's like yeah you know my wife really wants to go and then when he meets Bruce at the party Bruce's like so how's Barbara enjoying the party oh I thought she's playing pool with Harrison Ford so it's like yeah yeah Bruce just, just ask after the wife you're just making sure you're still his friend you're just not quite ready to be his friend in costume
1: uh but yes to your point and to this story it was interesting to see Barbara in this moment you know this is still when she is a niece uh before the the great retcon and she is you, know, you see this in her diary she's like is he Jim is he my uncle? Is Do I call him, you know, dad? Like she's, she's struggling with this stuff. And we don't have as many pages as we do in the first story. So we kind of rush through a lot of that, right? We go really quickly from Jim to daddy, but you know, we get there. I will
0: say, and I am probably more lax about this than I should be when we discuss some of these different stories, but for this particular one, just a little content warning, there is a lot of talk of child murder and child death in this story, like more than your normal story. And there is an attempted sexual assault on Barbara by a gang of street toughs. This one might be a little on the dicier side for some people with certain sensitivities, which is completely understandable.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I will say none of this feels gross. No. And it's very easy
0: to when you've got the Mad Hatter in his obsessed with Wonderland and the innocence of people and, you know, taking in these children to make his own Wonderland it can really quickly skew to Jervis Tetch child molester without it ever being explicit. This never goes there. And and, and remember,
1: a- Lewis Carroll, sex creep weirdo. Yes, I was about to say the same thing. So,
0: uh, We've talked about that before. Yes. But there is, Jim has a talk about the house that the Hatter's base is basing out of was a crime scene where some people kidnapped the kid, Lindbergh baby style, and then killed him rather than return him so he couldn't identify them. There are various hints of all kinds of things. You know, the kidnapped children. So this is some more sensitive material. And because I do have to, of course, mention it, there is some really good Leslie Tompkins in here, which, you know, you'll always get a couple points for Matt on some Leslie Tompkins in a story.
1: Ah, I I was reading this and I got, like, I want to read the description. And again, not to, not to get too graphic, but I thought, I swear to God, he was going for a specific murder. Two brothers, Sam and Nat Hill, rich, society set, bored, decided to kidnap a six-year-old boy for kicks. The ransom was paid, the perfect crime. I feel like he's making a reference to Leopold and Loeb. Oh, uh, that's a good call. And, and this, this is what Wikipedia says. Uh, kidnapped and murdered a 14-year-old. Leopold, 19. Loeb, 18. believed themselves to be Nietzschean uh, who could commit a perfect crime. Both were sentenced to life plus 99 years.
0: Yes, I can see. My, my brain went to Lindbergh, baby. But yeah, Leopold and Loeb is actually probably more apt.
1: I wonder if Loeb has thought about that for extra uh, reasons. Mm. <laughs> All three
0: of these specials have the same exact creative team. The same writer, penciler, inker, and colorist. And letterer. And so, again, you just look at it. It's, wow. Gregory Wright, uh, again, does beautiful things with the flashbacks and Bruce's delusional encounter with his mother after the hatter grazes his temple with a bullet. And, again, the, the lighting, the candlelight. He draws does great things with candlelight in the gym's spot on his unmarked car the pages where Batman encounters the Cheshire cat of kids that Tetch has taken. It's just this weird little, the mask and the eyes. Oh, it's so
1: cool. So a couple of quick notes. If you play in your mind, in a God Davida, as uh, Gordon is smashing through the window, it's entirely like 10,000% cooler. Second, My thought with Thomas Wayne and the pearls here. So as we've talked about, only cheap pearls break apart when you pull on them. What if Thomas Wayne is a cheap asshole?
0: I've also taken it possibly as Bruce asks her to put on the the nice pearls, but since they're only going to the movies, she doesn't want to necessarily wear the nice ones. She swaps them out for faux pearls which is why they then break because
1: that works too.
0: Yeah. It's like you're just in case anything goes wrong with them at the movies. You don't want to bring the thousand dollar necklace. You bring the, you know, $50 one that you have the nice faux pearls for not so special occasions.
1: The pearls, a bat chat investigation.
0: (laughs) Yes. Hey, any, anything to explain why those damn pearls break the way they do mad hatter speaking only in alice quotes works a lot better than scarecrow only speaking in nursery rock absolutely still i prefer a mad hatter who doesn't necessarily do that because again this guy built that mind control tech this is not just some
1: off the street wacko this guy is brilliant Now, we don't have any of the mind control tech here, though. It's all just uh, drugs.
0: True. This is not Hatter at his most scientific.
1: Is that a core part of the character, or does that come later? That has definitely been part of the character for a long time.
0: Going back to at least the early 80s, if not earlier, you've got uh, Mad Hatter- doing all sorts of mind experiments. Okay, Mad Hatter is a weird character as well because there are two Mad Hatters because there was another guy who took up the it was a retcon. Hat? <laughs> yeah, it was a retcon because for a while the Mad Hatter looked a lot more like The version on 66 with the mustache as opposed to the sort of big nosed hatter that we see in these stories and they eventually retconned that that was an imposter that of course Hetch kills so 1981 in detective comics 510 he appears with a mind erasing machine so He's at least since 81 been doing tech crimes, not just hat crimes.
1: We're going to have to do us a Mad Hatter episode. You know what? There is a
0: Gotham Central arc with Mad Hatter. Oh, shit, son. I mean, it seems like I would have to go back and read more pre-crisis Hatter. Because as long as I've known the character, he has done the mind control shtick.
1: And of course, I just remember him most from animated series where he definitely is doing the mind-controlled stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to remember his appearances in 66. And I remember the one with the cowl that winds up turning pink, but that's the only one that's jumping to my head. Wow. He, I mean, he goes back to Batman number 49. So he's been a longtime rogue. I knew he was a golden age rogue, but that's that's going even further back than I believed. Yeah, we're just gonna have to go back and we're gonna have to read some golden age, you know, Hatter through the years to to determine when that became a central part of the character. Also, it'd be worth to maybe, you know, do one of those mad hatter episodes, Batman the animated series for bonus episodes, because that's Roddy McDowell. So god the cast on that freaking show i I mentioned leslie Tompkins. i can always mention i loved the flashback when you see bruce listening to her and alfred talk about him and about him not being able to process things that remind him of his parents and oh it's heartbreaking and Liz, you know, but the boy is so determined, left to himself, he'd shut everything out of his life. And then I guess to Alfred's reply that we need to be equally determined in our love for him.
1: Oh, Alfred.
0: Oh, oh, Alfred, you're the best. Do you have anything else?
1: That's all I got. So that means it's time to put Batman Legends of the Dark Knight special madness on the big spooky board.
0: All right. So we left. Choices slash fears at 61. I think this is within a couple of that. I can see that this is probably not as strong, but I still think it's stronger than the long Halloween special
1: down at 64. Yep, just because that story just, it just didn't have anywhere to go. Like again, who gives a fuck about Gilda? I
0: think it goes right above that. Because above that is a lonely place of living. The Tim Drake comes back in the Tinian detective run. Tim has his long dark night of the soul, which I really. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So, it works for me. Yeah. i, I think think 64. This is 64. See, everybody, we, we had to go through all of that on the first one to make this one much easier.
1: And now we get to this evening's trifle.
0: Yes. Our final story of the night, which is ghosts. This is Legends of the Dark Knight Halloween Special 3 with the same creative team as the previous two stories. Uh, The cover date on this one is December of 95. After a night of fighting the Penguin, Batman is visited by three spirits on the eve of Halloween in a familiar story. So in case you couldn't have picked it out from that little bit of a description, this is a Christmas Carol only on Halloween and with Batman.
1: Yeah. And um, not
0: the only version of A Christmas Carol with Batman. We'll get to another one when we reach Christmas this year.
1: I mean, it is such a classic story. It's hard not to uh, to try it. I think some parts of this, they tried too hard. Like the Bruce maybe getting uh, food poisoning from shrimp just so you could do the, oh, it's just indigestion bit. Like that's that's try hard.
0: There's a few too many direct quote, lifts from A Christmas Carol in here. I would rather they didn't do some of those lines that are literally right out of A Christmas Carol. The spirits are these divisions of things to come or is it too late to change? Isn't a direct lift, but it's so close. Yeah. As someone who has worked at many theaters that have done many productions of A Christmas Carol, I can quote that, chapter and verse at this point
1: uh but the people they come out to see it
0: oh they do oh it is a cash cow for any theater doing a christmas carol that is how you fund the rest of your season by doing a christmas carol at christmas
1: i know the uh the community theater uh that i participated in you had the big summer musical and then you did occasionally stuff that the the people like like uh, to kill a Mockingbird. Uh, or somebody wrote a stage play that featured uh, Bear Bryant. That was that was a big winner around here. Uh, and then you do you do Christmas Carol.
0: Hey, a fun fact, uh, and something that will date this episode specifically. If you are a fellow Jeopardy enthusiast, as I am, there was a question or answer on Jeopardy tonight in a category where everything had role in the answer uh, about roll tide. Ah. Very nice. Uh, what was the answer? Do you remember? Uh, the answer was uh, the what state university w- is, so the answer was what is Alabama?
1: Ah, very good, very good. Man, I need to, I need to set Jeopardy record. That's daytime TV that I don't often get a chance to watch and enjoy. Let me tell you what you want you want to make your life better out there. Set that prices is right to record. You can watch it on your own time. And enjoy it. And I I am a prices right a file.
0: Yeah, the the Lazowitz household dinner in Jeopardy is our, our nightly ritual.
1: Ah, uh, that's a good one. That's a good one.
0: Yeah. So how much we can say about this story is really dependent on how much we want to investigate a Christmas carol, because it follows pretty much all of those beats you got the ghost of Thomas Wayne as Marley's ghost, where in this case, the the chain he forged isn't necessarily greed, but inattention to a life outside
1: of his career. And and that was good, I thought, because I don't think Thomas necessarily... Uh, as the guy who was already rich and then became a doctor, I, that doesn't really play well as him being obsessed with money. But yeah, being focused on his career and his work, that plays. That makes sense. It does, not it fits with pretty much every
0: version of Thomas Wayne we've seen in you know the prime earth. Thomas is usually portrayed not as a bad father, but as a somewhat absentee father because he is on call 24-7. He was, wasn't there for Bruce that much, which is why the movie night is always so significant because Thomas chose to take a night
1: actively off. Once again, going back to the previous story, like Matt, I need to take notes, but I don't. I'm sorry, Matt. There was that weird line about Thomas's quibbling with the choice of movies and Martha says, I'm sorry, it can't be another one of those dreadful medical biographies. And I was like, how many of those are there?
0: Yeah, I can't imagine that there's a lot of uh, mainstream released medical dramas in the DC universe. Unless, you know, I I think it's the the whole thing, the Watchmen thing where superheroes are real. So there isn't a huge market for superhero cinema. So in Watchmen... There are the pirate comics. Maybe it's doctor dramas that are the big thing in the DC universe.
1: This would not have been long after Awakenings, right? That would make sense. ER would have been a big thing right around
0: now. Granted, that's pretty soap opera y, but is
1: still a thing. But I'm but- just I'm going to say that it was an Awakenings reference. I think it's fun to want to do a christmas carol i got no problems with that you know it's a comfort food in storytelling if you're gonna do that though i want you to spend time with each one of the ghosts yes R- right the uh the ghost of halloween present is just oh hey look the kids are afraid of you they come to your your, your gate and they run away like I mean, give me something other than that. Like, tell me a story, right? We, we see this in the Ghost of Halloween past. Admittedly, you can't do much with future ghosts other than, oh, Bruce is dead. Surprise, shock. I
0: will point out one thing I really like stylistically is Bruce, when he meets Thomas's ghost, he's in bed and he's in a you know, pair of pajama pants and no shirt. And the minute the ghost of Halloween past, uh, in this case, Ivy, shows up, he's in costume. He switches to costume for that moment and then switches out again after past leaves and is in, again, the just the pajama pants until he runs into Halloween present, who is Joker, and then he's wearing the costume again. But after Joker leaves... He's not in costume. He's in the pajama pants again and remains just in them because under the cowl or the the cloak, the ghost of Halloween's yet to come is a skeletal Batman. So that's where the costume is. That's Batman. I think stylistically, that's a really smart choice and an
1: early hint of what's beneath the robe. Again, I I think my big problem with this third story is just how unbalanced it is. You get 10 pages with Ivy and the idea of Halloween past. You get five pages with Joker and Halloween present. That's just not good storytelling to me. That's not a good like laying out of your book.
0: And there's 16 pages from page one until Bruce falls asleep and encounters Thomas. As fun as this chase with the penguin is at the beginning, that could have been trimmed down to give more space for at least Halloween present. Halloween yet to come, again, we kind of know what's going on there. That one could be the short one, but I would have liked something in present. You could have had Jim Gordon doing something in the present or some other character. You could have had Lucius in the the final sequence. He says he has to go and be with his family for Halloween. I want to spend Halloween with my kids. You could have gone to Lucius Fox's house and seen him with the Fox kids getting ready for halloween the next night
1: yeah you could have had alfred staring wistfully at old pictures of bruce on halloween and like being lonely and sad
0: i do really like the flashback of thomas not showing up for halloween and bruce in the Zorro costume it's just a nice little tie to all the other things we know about thomas and about bruce And the coloring
1: is so perfect. Oh, it is.
0: Also, this story is a reminder. Again, we haven't done a ton of pre-2005 stories that heavily feature Lucius Fox. But again, Lucius here's my expertise is finance. And with your family fortune, we could really do something extraordinary. Again, this is before Batman begins. Before Batman begins, Lucius Fox was the money guy, not the tech guy. That was just, oh, Batman Begins made him Bruce's tech guy. So we're just moving that over into the
1: comic. Well, you know, Harold doesn't live in the Batcave anymore. Somebody's got to do the tech. True. Again, the art
0: here, just the two-page spread. And again, you probably, if you needed a page, you probably didn't need a two-page spread of Joker with Alfred strung up with an apple in his mouth. It's a great two-page spread. But one of those pages could have been used for something else. But the, the single splash of the ghost of Halloween yet to come with its skeletal hand looming over Bruce with the bong, bong, bong of 3 a.m., it's, it's good. The art is just astonishing,
1: you know, I, I say I don't begrudge Batman doing, uh, you know, A Christmas Carol, but the turn at the end just feels so hollow, right? There's a sense of exuberance in A Christmas Carol, especially, you know, my, my Pa's favorite version and my favorite version, uh, the Alistair Sim version, because he is such a crotchety asshole. Like he is mean spirited and just a terrible person and just evil and everything that, that Scrooge represents. And then that switch comes and he's giddy. He's exuberant. There's this light and life to the character. And in his portrayal of it is so perfect. The switch here seems so forced. Bruce is never an asshole. Like he's misguided. He can be grumpy. He can have bad days, but this is not some fundamental switch in his character where he's now a new person. He's just, Oh, I really should, you know, set up this Wayne foundation thing. So it's not a bad ending, but it certainly doesn't recreate the, the spirit and the exuberance that we have in Christmas Carol.
0: This one needed to be longer, you know, at the beginning more of Bruce falling into just being batman you needed an extra four or five pages at the beginning of alfred having to force him to be at this gala at the beginning of the story because master bruce you have not been out as bruce wayne for the past three weeks people are beginning to ask questions
1: Mm, keeping up appearances and whatnot
0: exactly you we needed More of Bruce not being Bruce and being Batman all the time to better establish why he needed the visitation to get him back on the right track. And without it, as you said, that is a good point. It just feels like, oh, okay. I'm very curious because it has been many years since I read it, but we will for Christmas be reading Lee Bermejo's Batman Noel, which is another. Christmas Carol, Batman story. I'm curious to see how that is going to compare to this in how it presents itself. Because I remember, yeah, I don't want to, if you've never read it, I don't want to color anything that you're going to feel about it when you get to reading it. But it does a little more with that, not necessarily in the Bruce Wayne way, but
1: in the Batman can be a cold asshole sort of way. And if you're going to do Christmas Carol, you, you need to lean into that a little bit. You need to have redemption. You need to have growth. You need to have a change. Right. I mean, that's, that's the spirit of A Christmas Carol.
0: Right. Christmas Carol is the single most well-known story of redemption in popular literature. That is the whole point of A Christmas Carol. And the Batman we see here doesn't need to be redeemed.
1: He just needs a little bit of a course correction. Yeah, just a nudge. Not three spirits. Yeah, that is a, a very good point. So
0: I think I think that kind of wraps it for this one. Unless you've got anything else.
1: I don't have anything else. So that means it's time. but Batman Legends of the Dark Knight special ghost on the big spooky board. All right.
0: Well, we've clustered a lot of lobe and sale right in this little spot, haven't we?
1: I am going to suggest a new spot okay. uh, below when in rome at 95 Mm. oh matt doesn't like that he made a stink face Uh, like right below when in rome Uh, the 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 book is still beautiful right we cannot we cannot bury this thing much below 95 I can see it being
0: down maybe in the the 80s or the upper 90s. I think I would still reread this before I would reread
1: When in Rome. Mm, Is is When in Rome too much to take on again?
0: If When in Rome had been four issues, I think I might be able to, to see that. But I think When in Rome wanders way too much over those six issues. Like I'm looking at this absolute edition that has all three of these and When in Rome. And when in Rome is as long as all three of these put together.
1: That's a lot.
0: Just about when you look at that, this this is the split. It's about a 50 50 split there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you make a good point. You make a good point. When in Rome is a smidge arduous. Yes.
0: It's just, it, there's too little story for too many pages. I would not put it above Batman year 100 at 90 because that, I mean, granted is another somewhat too long or too short, but there's so much monkey astronaut-ness to that one. While this is almost the opposite, this is a drive down to the corner store that, you know, every turn and can do it blindfolded.
1: Uh, Yep.
0: I would probably still read this before I reread 92. The Robin annual, the yet another retelling of Dick Grayson's origin. Only this one, it involves the unions and a crooked ringleader, ringmaster.
1: Ah, those damn unions screwing everything up. Yeah. Those union boss fat cats.
0: That would make it either our new 91 or our new 92, whether or not it winds up above Batgirl day one, the first comic book appearance of Harley Quinn.
1: I'm probably inclined to go above that and under year 100.
0: Okay. Uh, I am good with that. So that makes this our new 91. And Hey, look at that. We have survived the dreaded night of Halloween. Oh, Oh,
1: it was so spooky.
0: (laughs) And that is it for this week. Next week, hey, we're recording it the day before my birthday. Oh, shit. So as opposed to Will, who picked the, the worst things he could possibly think of, I am picking three stories that I remember either liking or finding interesting in what they have to say about batman whether or not that's good or bad is one of those things that's open to discussion which is kind of why i'm bringing at least one of these stories to the table but you'll have to find out what those are next week but for this week we'd like to thank our patreon backers dan groat june conduit of outdated joke names june come on josh wheel mrs abigail hartbaum asimov fangirl tony thornley Sam Hopper, John Wickham, Robert Secundus, and Tim Rooney for their support. Bobby, two bucks. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at BatChatComics, and the show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music slash Audible, and on ComicsXF, where new episodes drop every Thursday. You can support the podcast on Patreon, where you can get shoutouts, bonus content, pick a story, and even come on the show. If you want to hear more of my ramblings, mostly about the three Cs, comics, cinema, and cats, you can follow me on
1: Twitter at MattLaz1013. And I'm at Will Nevin. I'm also out of here. Good night, Huntsville. And be sure to visit ComicsXF at ComicsXF.com or at ComicsXF
0: on Twitter for our weekly Friday Bat Chat roundup of new Bat Books, for my other show, WMQA, and a where my longtime best friend, Dan Grote, and I interview comics creators, retailers, publishers, journalists, and other related tradespeople, as well as all the other stuff that Will and I are writing. And stay safe out there, folks. Gotham is not a place to be after dark.